Femme Fox Patel. You can find me on Twitch, and you're listening to the feed from Geek Mountain. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Feed from Geek Mountain podcast. I am your host, uh, one half of uh, the Feed from Geek Mountain podcast, because Jacuzzi is still on maternal leave, paternal leave. I don't know. I don't know the difference of these things. What is it called when, like, dads go? Uh, a maternal <laughs> oh, see, I is was right. mother. Oh, no. Yeah, not. and paternal <laughs> is for father. <laughs> So if he is on maternal leave, he has had himself a baby. He he considers himself a mom in, in, in many ways. But I'm joined here by Femme Fox Fatale, a.k.a. Fox. Um, hey. She is amazing. She is super beautiful. And, uh, yeah, tell everybody about yourself. Why am I here talking about you? Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, Well, I'm, yeah, Femme Fox Fatale. I am a, a a retro RPG streamer. I fancy myself as, um, as well as uh, co-founder of the Athena Alliance, the all-female gaming organization out of Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and co-owner of XRVR, a virtual reality and esports lounge out of South Carolina. So I have a lot on my plate. Uh, multiple plates you really yeah you have a lot of plates it's like thanksgiving over there <laughs> honestly <laughs> um yeah, but... i stay hungry you know <laughs> why uh so why retro rpgs really and what got you into like the whole gaming thing well specifically retro rpgs because i think just and it's kind of hand in hand as to why i am like a whole gamer why i love it so much um, it was really, my dad basically raised me, you know, my mom worked nights, she slept all day. So it was really me and my dad. Um, and our thing was video games and my dad was a big RPG streamer. So my dad was like my very first let's player, basically. Like I would just sit and watch my dad play through these like expansive role playing games like King's Quest and, um, Might and Magic and stuff like that. So you know, and then as I got older, I would start playing them with him, and he would, like, show me the ropes of these games, and had an NES, then we got a PC, then my dad was just, like, naturally, like, oh, well, let's get a PlayStation, and it just kind of grew from there. You know, I was a city kid, so I didn't have a yard, mm. we didn't go play outside, because it was kind of dangerous, so our Ooh. thing was to, you know, play video games together, so, and then the retro RPG thing, again, is mostly, like, a big nostalgia for my dad, so... It's really kind of nice to, like, revisit all these games that were, like, such a big part of, like, my childhood and our relationship together. Aww. That's super cool, actually. It's really uh, heartwarming. <laughs> yeah. When I started my Might and Magic 6 playthrough, I actually cried on stream. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I was like, you guys, this reminds me of my dad. Aww. <laughs> that's cool. Oh, I'm... 
but I'm glad you're here. I'm really, I really am. Um, I'm glad the podcast is back. Uh, personally, yeah. for all you um, old listeners out there, it's only been a month, really, though. Um, so we l- usually like to start off by asking what you've been <laughs> watching and slash or playing lately. So go ahead and tell us. Only if it's anime related, though, if you've been watching anime. <laughs> oh, only anime related? Oh, if well. It, if it's anime related. <laughs> but the most recent thing, barely recent, is rewatching Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is my favorite anime <laughs> ever, ever. Maybe tied with Samurai Shampoo. Maybe tied. Yeah, those are definitely my top two, so that's what I've been watching. I've been rewatching Bebop. I go back and rewatch it like every year. Jeez. I love it. I feel like every time I rewatch it, I kind of take something different away from it. Yeah, I feel that too. It definitely it comes off as it's like a very detailed anime, which we don't really get too much of anymore. Um, so it's every like I can see every watch being just as fresh as you know the first time ever watching it. Oh, yeah, especially as an adult. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, oh, this is cool. The music is so good. It's 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 space cowboys. And then when you get older, you're just like, wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of deep adult, you know, existential issues in this anime. Yeah, truly, <laughs> truly. Oh, um, but... that's that's right, though. I um, for me, what what have I been playing lately? I think I've been playing. Oh, oh right, right, right. I've been playing a lot of Hunt Showdown. I talked about this on a, on uh, the Conman RDW podcast mm-hmm. too. So if anyone's listening from there, this is just gonna be like a repeat basically. But I love Hunt Showdown. It's crazy. I got into it like really late in the game, but it's basically like a no rules like gentleman's uh, zombie shooter i don't know it's it's weird you can't really describe it it's kind of like uh like hardcore call of duty but uh, <laughs> but like objective based i don't know it's it's wild honestly um yeah man i love watching you play it. it's funny yeah and there's also proximity chat so you get all these like crazy funny interactions with like the enemies that you run into a lot and you'll come across like the funniest people on the internet like truly and it's just someone coming around a corner whispering sweet nothings in your ear yeah exactly i think yesterday (laughs) yesterday someone was like we were like trapped in a house after killing uh, like this boss a spider and some guy was like hey boy get out here and i was like wait what like you could tell like he, he was using like a like a voice changer to like deepen his yeah. voice and i was like oh my god that was so creepy oh gosh yeah, uh, yeah I it's love it. it's wild. I love it already yeah and it's like it's like in like the countryside i don't know where exactly but it's it definitely has like yeah. its rural somewhere uh, somewhere on the outskirts of west virginia yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically so it's it's weird because you you know when we think of shooters nowadays you typically think about like you know army dudes like leather vests mm-hmm. not leather vests but like body armor and helmets these these are like regular everyday working people <laughs> yeah that, and that definitely like amps up the difficulty right there yeah no i feel like you could grab some players that like aren't typical to your kind of you know first person type of situations like that yeah, and then the the zombies themselves are kind of obviously they're dressed 
in a way to like appear that they're like fitting in the area as long as well as the boss the boss monsters wow i just cannot talk so like there's like this butcher like the he's uh, one of the boss zombies and like he you know he's a butcher right like he's he's not like a crazy armored zombie he just has like this pig head and he's carrying around with a flaming axe <laughs> oh i love it little a tiny sprinkle of diablo just a tiny sprinkle there yeah the, the, the tiniest yeah the tiniest of but yeah of course uh speaking about diablo um it's main topic time uh pizza tell them what they've won oh my god <laughs> you won an all expense paid trip to western rpgs today everybody yes that's what we're talking about um we talked about i think our second episode we talked about jrpgs a couple months ago we talked about mmos and mm. i'm a huge like i'm a pretty huge like rpg guy in general i lean a little bit more towards the japanese side and the mmo side jacuz is kind of like on the western side so i wish he was here for this but it's fine because we have the lovely and the beautiful fox <laughs> here uh-huh. to help <laughs> i got you on those western rpgs yeah so i want to like definitely explore some topics within the the subgenre of this uh huge huge genre right of rpgs which i mean essentially kind of created the basis of what video games are kind of are now arguably Mm -hmm. yeah western rpgs have gone through like a massive evolution i think definitely from like your your very early 90s all the way kind of to where we are now yeah definitely. you know not just in platform but like in the way we tell stories what type of stories we tell those characters that are in those stories has changed um yeah you're right it's it's a it's a huge spectrum so let's do like a little history lesson right let's so do you know the first Western RPG, or rather the first RPG, I guess, is what they would would be considered? I would sadly say that I don't. Okay, because I don't either. I want to say, like, the earliest that I can think of is Rogue. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is what? It's like a text-based game. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you, you've, uh... You might have me on there. I think about as far back as I can go personally, at least for me, is maybe like King's Quest. King's Quest. And that's me like really reaching all the way back in my mind there, oh, um, which was a Sierra game. Um, but Sierra even then came out with a another RPG before then, which was like 1980. Okay. Like, so they came out with like uh... a, a wizard and princess type of RPG game mm. from the Sierra company. Um, who I love. Sierra's got like, oh my gosh, you want to talk about who pushes RPGs out like nonstop? Sierra is like a, just a, a machine gun of RPGs. Goodness. Content mill of RPGs. Oh, uh, dude, le- listen, Leisure Suit Larry, the King Quest series, the Wizard and the Princess, Quest for Glory, and then all of those yeah. titles had multiple titles, and uh, Fantas Morgia was theirs as well. They were like, you know, the kings of like the storytelling puzzle type RPG kind of a deal where 
you know, you're collecting items and you use those items to solve situations. And when you solve the situation, it furthers you into the story. So that was that was really a big, big Sierra type of ticket. But yeah, if I reach as far back as I can for Sierra, it's 1980 for Wizard and Princess. But I doubt that it's the first RPG ever. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not um, not really sure too. I guess it kind of gets a little debatable, um, at some point. But yeah, like I think historically they were like known as like computer RPGs because I mean basically that's all was basically being released at first was mm-hmm. just RPGs on the computer. Uh, although it's now considered an antiquated term, um, Western. RPGs were like just preferred on the PC, whereas uh, JRPGs later on, when they finally became uh, more prevalent, um, were preferred on consoles. Um, and then there was this clear divide between you know Western and then JRPGs. Obviously, Western is what we consider, you know, anything not made out of you know East Asia. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, um basically like north america and europe <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um but even before yeah so and then obviously even before the separation just all rpgs were just western until uh dragon quest came out uh i think that's 86 but what even, a good one yeah and even dragon quest was like heavily heavily influenced by um dungeons and dragons and other uh the other uh, rpgs before it so um but we had two we had two rpgs that defined the genre and basically coined the term almost as a whole setting the path for the rest of these rpgs uh that that are to come out uh so uh ultima Ultima? Ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, you took me back with a single word. How dare you? <laughs> I owned Ultima on the Nintendo NES. Jesus. When I was very young, I remember what the cartridge looked like. It had like a purple uh, type of like title to it and then a small yeah. picture of the adventurers. And at the beginning, you got to pick out who you wanted in your party. Like, listen, as a kid, I loved that game. But I'm be honest with you. I had no idea how to play it. <laughs> No idea what I was doing in that game. Now, if I if if I if I sat down and played it now, I could probably figure it out. But probably. you know, ten year old me, I'm just yeah. here to kind of walk around with my characters, get killed, and enjoy the settings. You know. <laughs> um, That's so funny. And yeah, then, um, that was a. Yeah, that was my walking simulator when oh I was ten. Oh my god, the walking simulator. <laughs> <laughs> I just walk around, no idea how to play, but man, it was pretty to look at. And then there was also wizardry as well um that i have no clue about but they created yeah exactly but they created these popular mechanics that are used that are still used now today like the like you said the the party system right um Mm -hmm. yeah they had interactive dialogue which was you know it wasn't just like hi hello you know there was like things that people said and then also uh npc scheduling so just like where like NPCs weren't just like static people; they kind of moved around the world as kind of almost similar to you. They were like living, basically beings. Um, mm-hmm. on the Again, like you said earlier, very D and D inspired esque. Yeah. You really wanted this living world that moved with you. 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> moving into the the mid nineties, like Western RPGs almost died actually, um, which is really sad. Um, so like a lot of series were like on the verge of death, right? Um, <laughs> coming into uh the mid late uh nineties, so like you know ninety seven. Um, yeah. So things like awesome games that you know that we know about now yeah of course like quest for glory uh the bar's tale mm -hmm. uh gold box lore, uh, lands of lore uh and yeah, then obviously your, uh, uh might and magic your good good sierra stuff might yeah. and magic yo yeah. all right yeah and might and magic was one of those studios uh 3do which was owned by new world computing um you know those late 90s Hit hit them pretty hard. So by the time you came into the early 2000s, 3DO and New World Computing were non-existent. You know, we mm. got to Might and Magic 10, and it was basically like, it was basically like wrap it up. <laughs> you know, we know yeah, we know the game isn't 100 what we want. We know you're not done, but uh, we're out of money, <laughs> uh, and we're out of here. So um, thankfully, they're uh, one of their uh, major producers and creative. Uh, directors kind of they got they moved into uh ubisoft where he works now um and ubisoft actually owns might and magic now That's um crazy. not that they're doing anything with it but oh, you know of course not <laughs> it's good to have it under your belt i suppose but Fuck. yeah their might and magic is one of those rpgs where the 90s was basically their their run and by the time we got to 2000 it was basically kind of like all right <laughs> we've done all we could do <laughs> Um, fun fact, uh, Ubisoft, actually, uh, they published a lot of weird games back then, um, for a lot of companies, so I would not be surprised if they have, like, just a ton of IPs waiting to see the light of day again, and, like, remasters and remakes and reboots. Uh, listen, do you know what I would do for a brand new Might and Magic? <laughs> Jeez, man. <laughs> Jeez, man! I, I'd be twerking on the corner with you, for real. <laughs> but you and I both listen. It was a great series. They had a, it was it was just so unique in yeah. its in its stories, and I think that's what I appreciated about it was the stories were just so strange, and not even something I feel we see too often now. Yeah. Um, um, in RPGs. But thankfully, um, there were two RPGs, two Western RPGs that kind of saved the i guess rpgs in general um really otherwise we would have just seen a bunch of like final fantasy 7 type of games for uh, the rest of our yeah. life uh two of them can you guess which one you already named one of them earlier um i would hope that maybe like the elder scrolls series would consider themselves one but can't no. say that i could say can't <laughs> say i can say listen you know i'm thirsty for eso okay get off of my back man so um yes diablo was one of them um Ooh. diablo's dungeon crawling was very simplistic for new players um not really uh like or i guess new people into the rpg genre but they moved on to uh like an action-based real-time combat system at the same time which was a lot different from the turn-based systems that we started seeing in, like, uh, the late 80s and early 90s. 
And yeah, even my magic stuck to that turn-based stuff yeah. for a while, where they gave you the option of not being turn-based, but boy, are you throwing yourself to the wolves if you choose not to. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so being able to just go at it freely um, was great, and like, boy, the story was really nice. Mm. Uh, the characters were really nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I dare say I did enjoy the first one more than the second, but you know, it's a, it's a matter of preference. <laughs> You know, I just, I couldn't live without Deckard Kane next to that well, you know. Stay a while, it'll listen. Like, that was just, you know, it's my text tone, bro. The nostalgia is great. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then we had, um, the other one is Fallout. Oh, look up, see, Bethesda's in there. Yeah, they're, they, they I got mean. got their fingers in there. Yeah, they're, they're in there. I mean, they're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bethesda is Bethesda. Um, so whereas we had Diablo with this action, you know, action-based real-time combat and like the simplicity mm -hmm. of uh, the mechanics, Fallout introduced a totally different way of storytelling that we haven't seen before in an RPG since. It was very narrative-focused, where um, the interactive dialogue um, really uh, made choices. Um, that you like actual real time choice that you have to make in the game, and this narrative driven plot became basically what we know of storytelling in game in games, but more along the lines of RPGs today. So yeah, it was uh, Bethesda definitely is like a master of it. It's it's not they're not just telling like your story. Yeah. They're also telling the story of everyone around you, mm -hmm. you know, so just like the real world, like however you choose to live your story, that's then going to affect the story of, you know, the NPCs that you interact with, um, you know, because I know, again, reference it again in Might and Magic, I could just kill a villager and it really doesn't make a huge difference. <laughs> but then in Fallout, yeah. you know, making choices like that can have consequences. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, which makes it more immersive and definitely more of the role-playing aspect. It's pulling you into the role even more yeah. than games used to. Whereas opposed to like, oh, I'm the player character and I could do whatever. <laughs> it was, oh, I have to be aware of my actions now. Yeah. Um, so it, it added that beautiful little twist to it. Something else, truly. I, um, I'm, not, I'm not a huge Fallout guy, personally. Um, yeah, like I said, I'm not either. Yeah, <laughs> but Fallout I'm did. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, like Fallout did like really um help in just the RPG genre in general, uh, as well as Diablo. So that that's when we started seeing um all these crazy titles come out back mm -hmm. to back, and now we have. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, there's still really, really good RPGs to choose from. There's you know, early 2000s, really we did get some good stuff. I was a big fan of the Dungeon Siege series, especially the first one okay. that came out in the early 2000s. I was a huge fan of the of the first Dungeon Siege. Uh, I played it a couple times, and that one 
was definitely inspired by some by Diablo. Mm. Like absolutely, you know, it was a dungeon crawler, it told a story, it took you through a world, but it wasn't necessarily open world. Mm. There yeah. was definitely a designated path along the story and along the world that you had to take. Um but you know, the story was fantastic. It wasn't turn-based, it was an open uh dungeon crawler uh and it was beautiful. You know, we got a we got a second and a third one and they weren't, you know, they weren't really living up to the high expectations that the first one set. But that's one of those games where when you talk about what's been inspired by something like Diablo, I think about the Dungeon Siege series. Yeah. That that's the first one that kind of comes to mind for me. Um but it was it was it was lovely and beautiful and the way that Fallout then kind of set the bar for like this open world type of expectation you know kind of kind of kind of forces i think a lot of these studios to make sure that they're putting they're 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 making the storytelling just as important as the gameplay Game. yeah 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 yes and that's i always say this a lot or i've been saying it actually more so as of late but like the story has everything to do with um you know the gameplay right like the, the, you can't have one without the other um in my opinion if you have a shitty mm -hmm. you know, if you have a shitty story but like awesome gameplay there's it's, it's a whack you got a whack game <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's so what you know and i'm i'm a pretty casual player and you know i'm going back and playing these really old retro games so i you know i'm the type of person where even if your gameplay isn't living up to 100 percent of what i want from a game yeah. if your story, story is engaging yeah. you, i'll put your gameplay on hold i won't mind it i'll be like you know like uh my magic eight i hate the ui <laughs> i hate it i hate it i hate it i hate it why is it widescreen i don't know why it's widescreen like a theater i don't know why your settings are hard to find but <laughs> I'm dedicated to your story and I'm ready to hear, you know, what you've got to say. <laughs> so I can put all that on hold because I, I, en I enjoy the story that you've told me so far. So I'm going to, I'm going to sacrifice it type of a deal. But if it would have been the opposite way, like you said, and the gameplay is great and the UI is fantastic and the fighting is exactly like I want it. It's not too hard, not too easy, but your story sucks. <laughs> well, now, well, now you've taken, it's like you're taking the role playing aspect out of it. Yeah. The whole point of the role playing game is that you immerse me into this role and I play through it. That is role play. I feel like this character, I'm dedicated to being this character. I'm dedicated to the world. I'm dedicated to the story you know so yeah like you you, you got to have a good story if you want a good role play game like you you can your gameplay can be eh <laughs> but the story's going to be good and i think i think the perfect example of that in like uh newer age role playing games is dragon age 2 yeah dragon age 2 dragon age 2 gameplay was some of the hottest garbage i've seen uh true, true. you know since <laughs> since 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 a humid mardi gras morning if you know oh what i'm God. saying so but i mean they they told a great story the dragon age series was this huge epic where you made every decision and you told the story and you could replay all three games and have a completely different story to tell yourself so the fact that you reused maps yeah the fact that I had limited, you know, class, gender, and race options. Oh my God. 
<laughs> makes up, you know, all of that I set aside because, you yeah. know, their their fans are so dedicated to their story. Oh my god, they're like simping so hard for Dragon Age. I swear. Ugh, <sighs> I'm in love. I'm in love. I'll, I'll, I've I've put myself through Dragon Age two more times than I'm willing to admit. <laughs> speaking of speaking of uh stuff like so what what makes up like a western rpg like what are some like general stuff Mm -hmm. like what what are the basics that you need to have (laughs) in a western rpg um i'll i'll be i'll be daring and i will say that if it's a western rpg it does not feature like if we're saying like purely stereotypical Western RPG, if I'm gonna I'm gonna put all those whistles on it, I would say it's not a turn-based game. Mm. To start, it's not turn-based. Um, you know, a, a a fair variety and choice, but not an overwhelming variety of choice. Yeah, like uh... which. I see sometimes in Eastern games where it's kind of like you have choice, but sometimes the amount of choices you have is overwhelming. Like, oh, you can give this character 2,000 different types of costumes. It's like, (laughs) I don't thank you, but I don't really need that 30 different types of hair choices and whatever. So (laughs) I I don't don't know if you see this difference. Yeah, I... I I feel like I do. Yeah, I feel like uh, JRPGs don't really have customization uh at least of the main character i would say um i might be thinking more in the realm of mmos i think but yeah that thought but yeah like yeah even yeah i mean they're still kind of the same in a way but (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm not hugely into too many jrpgs oh yeah yeah. um but i think it's just kind of like the art style doesn't speak too much to me Mm mm-hmm um because they can be different like it's definitely a little more it can be a lot more animated yeah um as opposed to trying to be a lot stricter about you know realism yeah and then we um, saw i mean uh, you know. like as of i don't know the past decade we just saw um huge groundbreaking uh genre inspiring uh jrpg that just blew everybody's minds and is still being played and replayed today of course i'm talking about the soul series um which doesn't fit any of the typical jrpg uh traits but it's still a jrpg because it was made in japan um it has it's very realistic there's um action-based combat you're like in a fantasy world but the art style Mm -hmm. itself resembles um basically two western rpgs yeah it's It's definitely a um it's definitely still an element of high fantasy yeah very yeah high fantasy almost surrealism in that series In a way, definitely. Like, it's like it's kind of like Salvador Dali had like a goth phase, and that's what you play through in the Soul series. <laughs> like it's very surreal. You can't really super interpret what it is, but yeah. it's it's part game, part art. I don't know. The amount of conspiracy theories around that one series is like 
fascinating yeah to say the least tons of interpretation that anyone can make um i'm 100 percent certain that the writers also have no clue what the game is really about <laughs> yeah yeah let's just uh let's just make a our our, our senior art project <laughs> into a video game and just like you know listen to just the darkest themes possible what are... we could get into yeah i think so i think um, also, like, Western RPGs, like we talked about, like, the art is more realistic as opposed to JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like we're more typical of, like, fantasy, and like I mentioned fantasy. before, like, high fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like, high fantasy, you see more frequently in, like, Eastern games, where Western, we kind of stick to our bread and butter of Dungeons and Dragons yeah. type <laughs> of fantasy. Yeah. Um, and then you have like high fantasy where you're taking multiple different types of fantasy genre sometimes and putting them together or even like just one or two. Mm-hmm. Like when I when I play Final Fantasy, I'm playing a high fantasy game. Oh, yeah. Like there's definitely that distinctive difference between just a fantasy game and then a high fantasy game where a high fantasy game might be like, you know, oh, well, we're playing with we're, we're fighting with swords and we're fighting with magic and we're fighting dragons. But there's also spaceships. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Okay, touche. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and, and, you know, and, you're out of space, and you're fighting aliens, and... Yeah, and these <laughs> massive moving machines and things like that, and then, like, oh, by the way, we're gonna add a little bit of steampunk, and, like, oh you know, I think my favorite iteration of that example is Final Fantasy XII, where it's, like, you've got this very hmm. interesting stone Middle Eastern type of architecture inspiration. Yeah. But then you've got airships and pirates, and it's like, okay, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, or then when you kind of come into the West and you do look at the Diablo series and you do look at Dragon Age and you do look at Elder Scrolls, and it it's still your, like I said, your, 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 your bare bones D&D type fantasy. Yeah. You Could... know, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not too hyper-exaggerated. Not, or at least in my opinion, not too frequently do we hyper exaggerate our fantasy. Mm. Would you say that some Western RPGs, or I guess maybe, I don't know, like a good majority of Western RPGs, is it possible to like um, resolve in like combat in- encounters without actually like fighting? Would you say that? Uh, in within Western RPGs. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that um, type of mechanic implemented before. Would you say it's like the majority of them, or uh, like it's like a? Small I I would say in the in the RPGs where the story is the focus, mm. you see it more frequently. Mm. Okay. Um, you know, games that focus on the character choice a little more often, like in the Halo series, which I would you know it's an FPS, but Halo is still kind of like an RPG. You're playing a role in this deep world, yeah. Um, and they're telling you a story, but let's not get it twisted. Halo is about its gameplay. Yeah. They're telling a really good story. It is a really good story, but ha- story Halo is, is gameplay focused. Um, you're not going to get that option in in Halo. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, or and then I I love to um I love to reference this series because they're so in depth about it. But then you have Dragon Age, yeah. where the focus of Dragon Age is the storytelling. They give you multiple different scenarios throughout the the, the current three series to 
talk your way out of something or negotiate your way out of something or be like, we don't have to fight. And then you don't have to fight Fight, or at the same time, instigate a situation that you didn't need to instigate and then force yourself into an encounter. Um, so yeah, if, if for, for Western RPGs, when it's more story focused, that's definitely an option you'll, you'll see at least once. Mm. Um, even in a game as massive as like Skyrim, um, it doesn't happen as often as in Dragon Age as it does in Skyrim, but you're still kind of given that option occasionally. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, I guess that is true. Speaking of Skyrim, you, we can't talk about Western RPGs without talking about Skyrim. Uh, a but classic. What? Yeah, like what? How? I just I I failed to understand how it blew up the way it did. I don't. I just remember myself playing my. A stepbrother's game of it like his game and i was playing and i'm like why is this so popular <laughs> so i would say that skyrim got really popular based off of like three factors mm. and this is just kind of like my opinion what i'm assuming yeah the first factor is your elder scrolls fanboys you know, people who either played Oblivion, like I did, they played Morrowind, Arena, you know, people who got really dedicated to the story. You know, we feel like we waited a really long time between Oblivion and Skyrim. Yeah. Um, and Oblivion was already a, a, like a, a beautiful game. Yeah. Um, it's, it's wonderful to play through. The story's great. They give you options here and there. Um, so that's, that's the first one is you definitely had people. And I was one of those people. I was a huge (laughs) Oblivion fan. Uh, so when Skyrim came out, I was at GameStop the night it came out. I got my copy at midnight and I played till three. (laughs) Um, yeah, that was me. Um, the second one is for people who weren't Elder Scrolls fans. I feel like because of how much inspiration skyrim took from like this viking nordic type of uh lore um and because of how in depth the lore got in skyrim as opposed to the other games um where it's like oblivion you kind of feel like you got a little bit of the lore um and you really kind of had to look for it and really listen in skyrim kind of hits you in the face with the stories and the tales and they really kind of pulled you into it yeah and i think that for people who didn't play elder scrolls before who then played skyrim were like oh whoa this is like a i am a viking you know they didn't even think about the fact that you're a nord and you're in tamriel and this is Nern. you know they'd play it and they'd be like fuck yeah i'm a viking yeah it was and like then, like really i think the the open world aspect of it really uh blew a lot of people's minds away fed into it yeah and uh, then your last factor yeah. is your modding community oh yeah. that is really what keeps skyrim today and that's why skyrim's still so popular even today yeah is people played the hell out of it they got super committed to it and then people started making these beautiful mods that made the game better they made the graphics better they made they told additional stories they added more lore to it they made the characters of like the modding community for Skyrim is amazing. It's crazy. The man. amount of content there is, you could make Skyrim a completely different game for yourself. <laughs> you know, there's a survival mode <laughs> mod oh for Skyrim. So you have to eat, you have to drink, you can't fast travel. It's crazy. What an experience. Do you, you know, um, you can. Do you have any, like, sorry, uh, do you have any, like, crazy, like, Skyrim stories of, uh, like, being in the game personally? Uh,. There's 
definitely been a few funny stories regarding like mods that I've had. Oh my god. And not even so much the mods doing something funny, but I've like I'm not a horror game person. I loaded I got this mod that told a whole story and I thought it like I was like, "Oh, this is cool." Ended up being ridiculously terrifying. Ridiculously hard. Oh my god. I basically loaded Dark Souls onto my computer. <laughs> and I was not happy. <laughs> But I was like, if I take it off now, it's going to corrupt my files. True. So I might as well just kind of live with it kind of a deal. So, And then otherwise, you get your run-of-the-mill Bethesda stuff where, like, you know, mammoths fall from the sky and, like, your horse is galloping 10 feet off the ground. Oh, my God. The, the crazy uh, part is that, yeah. like, Skyrim is by – even though it, when you think of RPGs, when you think of, like, iconic RPGs of, like, you know, what, the 2000s era, um, it's kind of like, when you think of Skyrim, it's, like, you know, iconic, right? It's, it's the RPG, right? Um, yeah. But it they, wasn't... They, they definitely set a bar. But the weird thing is that it's, it, the game itself was far, far from perfect. Um, the almost damn near um the opposite right um there were yeah. so many reports of people just you know if you go yeah. down on the, the skyrim wikipedia or whatever um you'll just see every quest line has some type of glitch that makes mm -hmm. it either like you can't progress further or um you gotta find a way around it a lot of the console people just was out of luck if they weren't, you know, because they, they didn't have as many, they didn't have as much support, obviously, because they're on console. Um, yeah. Personally, for me, I think it was, I, you know, I boot up, you know, I made my character, did the whole, like, dragon shit. And then uh, I think I had to go up and meet the Greybeards. As soon as I, like, go up the mountain, you know, you go all the way up the mountain, you try to talk to the, I tried to talk to the Greybeards. They're, like, instantly trying to kill me. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah but uh it's a it's another one of those situations where it's a labor of love <laughs> if, if we love our story and we love our series enough to kind of put up with that stuff and restart it and deal with it and again your modding community yeah kept that game alive where they were like you know screw it if bethesda's not gonna go in and perfect mm. the game we will we and will. then yeah. They, you know, they fix the mods. We have our own unofficial Skyrim patch that everybody uses these days. Yeah. If you have Skyrim on your PC, you have the patch. <laughs> um, we use the script extender 64, SS64. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're a modder, you know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. Um, we, you know, again, labor of love. I love the story. I love the world. I'm dedicated to the characters. So I'm willing to put up with fixing some of these problems myself oh, yeah. uh, to just in, to just enjoy the game more. I mean, does it mean I'm going to be a little hazardous <laughs> when I, per, for, for, for Elder Scrolls six? Absolutely. I'll probably wait a little bit when it comes out, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, Cause Bethesda's you know, been and that's, uh, going downhill. Their consequence. Yeah. 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 They're going to have to face the consequences of like, you know, what they've kind of done and what they've left their community to fix on their own. 100%. You know, so there's there's high expectations for the next game. Very high expectations. And I'm kind of scared because, like, honestly, I, I'm kind of doubtful that Bethesda is going to be able to, like, raise the bar any higher 
than what they've already done for themselves. You know, and considering your community had to fix your game, yeah, bar's not even really that high. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, so I mean, even though I had that, yeah, like you say, even though like there's so many glitches, so many bugs that make the game almost unplayable up to, up to a certain point. Like you know, after that point, I just kind of was like, well, fuck it, I guess I'll just do all the side quests, I guess, and I just went along and did all the side quests yeah. um, as I could because they had no they didn't really have a, an effect on the story, I guess, or I wouldn't know. Cause I, I never actually played the story. <laughs> oh, oh goodness. Yeah. Thankfully, thankfully not too, too much of an effect of the story, which was a, a little disappointing. Yeah. You know, in my opinion that the, the actions that you, that you have in the guilds around Skyrim don't have yeah. too much of an effect on the main quest line and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but even then, I suppose there's only so much scripting you can do, so much storytelling you can do. It's not as linear as something like Dragon Age can be in its storyline. So I'm a, I'm a little forgiving on that aspect, although a little disappointed. I feel like at this point, at 2020, that's something that is possible for them to implement. 100%. 100%. Since everyone's, you know, kind of working from home or whatever... Uh... I I hope to expect some a lot better gameplay come uh 2021 a lot a lot better Q&A you know or QA <laughs> Yeah please I'm a, I'm looking for some games with a little bit of political intrigue Oh yeah a little bit of complicated dialogue I want to see that's that's really what I want to see from RPG games in the future I want to see a lot more complicated kind of dialogue I want to really be able to take a story any kind of way I want to take it dialogue. So and Dragon Age is off to like a great start in that aspect, and Mass Effect both uh, from Bioware. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna ask like what I I'm not a Mass Effect guy. I know uh, my co-host Jacuzzi is a lot, but um, so I I haven't played it. I the only thing I hear is like, oh, number one and two are great, and then three is a piece yeah. of shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Now I've kind of I've watched a few episodes of people play Mass Effect and I mm. tried to give Mass Effect a good college try for myself <laughs> but you know I'll admit I'm I'm not a sci-fi genre kind of person. Mm, I'm just I'm just I'm just not uh when it comes to like other sources of media like maybe some television shows or movies but like as far as games like I was just never vibing on it. Like, cause again, it's about the story and the role play. And if I'm going to role play, if I'm going to put myself at a role, yeah. I'm more interested in swords and magic and dragons <laughs> and, you know, um, stuff like, uh, like zombie apocalypse yeah. or, which from fallout or sci-fi from mass effect isn't really what I'm looking for as far as like what I want to, you know, what I, I want to be when I play video games. Um, <laughs> But I've, I've definitely watched a couple playthroughs and it's the story is, you know, it's Bioware kind yeah, of Bioware. trademark. It's engaging. <laughs> Their dialogue is excellent. Their character, uh, character development, the character development, which I don't think you see too frequently mm. in RPGs, at least not to the to the detail that they get to their character development is quite impressive to where like you have moments in the game where if you say one piece of dialogue instead of another, well now it affects the choices that character is going to make later. Yeah. You know, that kind of that little subtle touch that they kind of put there 
really makes you think how you say things and re- and, and gives the replayability to the game right there. So, which I love. I love playing, being able to buy a game and being able to play it over and over and over and over again. <laughs> it's definitely a, I don't know, I don't know. I just hear like, yeah, you can get married with multiple aliens and have sex with them. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Da, 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 da. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's got it's got some more engaging lore and danger. You know, oh, there's things beyond romance. Oh, I, okay. I appreciate that they put romance in there. You know, <laughs> I appreciate it. I don't appreciate that they made every elf in Dragon Age a fuckboy, but that's besides oh, the point. I mean true that's beside the point yeah yeah every single one of them leaves you i i speak the true true don't fall into an elven thirst trap in Uh, dragon age and then um what about so okay so i got i got into fable really late and hopped in on fable Mm. three and i was i don't know i feel like i'm like the Nowadays, I feel like the only person alive that was upset about Fable 3. <laughs> uh, short. Yeah. It felt really short. short. Really, really short. I think I beat Fable in all honesty because I, I, I showed up kind of late to the game as well. And mm. I think when I played Fable 3, I, I really liked it. That was one of those games where I didn't really like the gameplay, yeah. but the story was good. So I was like, I'm going to stick around and, and at least go through it, you know, for the story. You know, I'm not going to put a book down just because I don't like the font, you know, <laughs> kind of a deal. So, and it took me like, I think it took me a weekend. I think I beat Fable 3 in like two Probably. days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was it. Yeah, it was really quick. It took me about, it, it couldn't have taken me more than 12 hours to get through, through and Fable had, 3. Like, what, like, didn't it have like three different endings at the end? Or I don't, I forgot how the story went. Yeah, yeah. You could get, I don't recall if it was three or two. I knew, I knew you could pick like, you there know, was... you could go a DACA path. Yeah. Uh, if you wanted to yeah you could be the the good guy or kind of like the villain in the story if I remember you wanted like yeah like you had to like what like kill some people off to save this the town or something or keep everybody alive but like i don't know there were money issues um but yeah, there's a there's a lot of hard decisions in that game man if yeah. you're trying to like be a good guy or whatever i remember but I remember there was a third option where like all parties could be happy or whatever and but it required like there was like this room that you had to like like it was like a bank room and you had to like Yeah, you had to fill it with money. Yeah, you yeah, had to get yeah. rich. Yeah. And so someone said do something like leave your game on and just walk around and I was like <laughs> I was like, How long do I gotta do this for? It was like I don't know, it was like some, some amount of hours. <laughs> like nah i don't care that much to do all that yeah it was i don't know it was short it was short and disappointing uh i think the shortness was what disappointed me and i think yeah. i i kind of rage quit it because i played through it one time as like a good guy and because it was so short i was like man forget this i'm not playing this a second time you know i, I kind of left it but i felt the same way about diablo 3 yeah. You know, where I was like, oh, it's beautiful, it's a good game, but it took me one afternoon to beat it. I was like, I beat the storyline for Diablo 3 in, like, one day. And I was yeah. like, and they're like, oh, well, you know, it's it's about the loot grinding, and there's, like, tor- like tournaments, and there's, like, all this other stuff you can do. And I was like, but is it storyline? And they're like, no. And I was like, oh, well, then, I'll show myself out. Like, I'm a storyline role player. 
Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not here to grind your dungeons on what is it, Inferno level or whatever the oh hell. Oh my god, yeah. Like I get I want I want a longer story, man. I want a longer story. And then it felt like Diablo two was never gonna end, you know? Like <laughs> you gave me you set a high bar for how long and how deep your story was going to be in the second game and then the third one was just kind of like over in a day and i was like all right cool i think the only isometric game i played recently was i think darksiders genesis which is i guess is a rpg and i don't know it feels like more of a beat-em-up type of thing i don't really i can't mm. i don't know it's somewhere between the lines of like super actiony rpg to like beat them up yeah how, how do you define an rpg for yourself like if for you to call something like oh yeah i see this game this is absolutely a role-playing game like how do you put that definition on that's the there's i feel like there's there's a definitely an element of like leveling up where like there's like stats involved um where i could where like either stats are like regardless of if they're like automatically uh attributed or if they're just like i can attribute them how i want there's elements of like there's weapons that i can equip um definitely a party type of system and um a sense of like there's choices that I can make really mm-hmm. really something that like allow something that like satisfies something that satisfies me um living out a dream that I would not be able to in real life basically right I can't yeah. I can't level up in real life I can't increase my stats yeah, feeling, per se yeah <laughs> living you're living your role you're role playing you're living through a role yeah yeah, yeah, because I know for me it's kind of the same. Yeah, let me step into some shoes mm-hmm. uh, and live a life I want to live. But I think more than that, it's about, you know, I think keep me curious is a good way for me to put it. Like, keep me curious. Yeah. Like, you, your, your story has to be just immersive. It's got to be about immersion for me. Like, I'm curious. Like, I want to discover more about your world. I want to know your story. I want to know the conspiracy theories in your world. And like, like, sometimes I get so into Elder Scrolls, I'll play through ESO, Mm. Elder Scrolls Online. If I go to a Bosmer village and I see a food that's not consistent with their diet. Like, oh well, that's God. a whole tirade, oh you know, because <laughs> yeah. I'm curious about your world and I want to, I want to live a life through it to understand more about it. If it's, if it's grandiose enough for me to immerse myself into, to that level. Yeah. So, which is why I'm such a huge Elder Scrolls fan. Cause the lore is so specific and it's so immersive and there's so many different stories and so many different paths mm-hmm. where you can investigate these different things that like that's role playing. It's like, all right, I feel like this character. I feel like this world is real. I feel like it's moving and it's breathing. It's got lore. It's got history. It's got d- characters with dietary laws, you know, like <laughs> minor little things like that or like specific cultural aspects or to the point where like I can tell the different architecture styles between races and like every little detail like that 
just matters. Like it just matters. Like for a role playing game, it you keep me curious. You keep me dedicated to what you're telling. Dragon Age does it great. World of Warcraft for some people does oh really God. well. <laughs> I could never get into that lore, but I definitely have those friends where it's like that is you know Loctar. That is what they do. People are into um, the lore of World of Warcraft. <laughs> yes, listen, the community is crazy. Where, where are they? They are crazy. They're alive. They're well. You might not know them, but they are here. Oh my God. Yeah, oh. I have a friend of mine who just like she's some ride or die alliance type type of gang and she and she is on it every single morning she's playing like four hours of wow she's raiding and etc but she's dedicated to the world they keep her coming she's curious she wants to learn more she wants to see the new expansion she wants to know what the new story is mm-hmm. um yeah role playing is about immersion and keeping your and keeping your audience curious about what you're going to tell them next you know, especially if you're telling a linear story, like you leave me at Skyrim, at the Skyrim Civil War, and as a player, I'm like, oh my god, who won the Civil War? What happens next? Like, what's going on, man? This is, this is, this is a story that has more to tell me, you know. And it's 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 great. And the Dragon Quest series even does that as well, where mm-hmm. even though they might not have a, consecu- a consecutive storyline to tell across all their series, yeah. The, the games themselves are so long and the worlds can be so immersive and beautiful and the stories are so detailed and the characters matter so much to the story that they're telling. You know, it's like you can you can just forget everything. Like your brain can just leave everything and just dive into the story that you like got to know more about. Oh my God. Before we, before we wrap up... Um... What about the like? What about the future of RPGs? Uh, all of them today, right? We have what what we're seeing now is you know um, Kickstarter games are a huge thing. Uh, for example, Divinity Original Sin Two uh, started off with a goal of five hundred thousand dollars, ended up funding up to like a one like a million and a half. Mm. Um, which is ridiculous. Um, we have these people like funding these types of games, uh, the crowd themselves, right? Uh, we have uh, JRPGs like Fantasy Star Online 2, New Genesis coming out next year, uh, really pushing uh, MMOs to like a different level, like telling people they have to like keep keep things fresh, even though Fantasy Star Online 2 is like an eight-year-old game. They're revamping everything. We have uh, what like what else? There's I'm playing like Death and Request too. I've been I always mention this, but like there's like they want you to find they want you to get the bad endings. There's like multiple bad endings, then they want you to find it. There's so many RPGs that are doing like these crazy the craziest shit that we haven't seen before. Um, like what what. What are we going to expect from, like, you know, 2021, 2022 of uh, RPGs? What do you think? Oof. Well, I know what I'm hoping for is more co-op storytelling in RPGs. Um, You know, ways that I can, like create these stories together while playing with other people mm-hmm. that's like that's cooperatively. definitely lacking in a way like if there's a yeah yeah multiplayer not option, MMO. 
Yeah, not MMO. Not yeah. MMO. Yeah, cooperative role playing. Yeah. In a game, uh, I want to see. I want to see more of that. I feel like we've seen a couple of games try it, and it just feels like it falls short mm-hmm. of anything less than just a dungeon crawler you know we see that like in the Baldur's gate series oh, yeah. you know I, I it's a role it's it's a role-playing game it's still more focused kind of on that gameplay even though you can but you can co-op it but i'm looking for something a little more complicated um and then i'm looking for more immersive more complicated dialogue yeah and definitely more complicated relationships with npcs Oh yeah. I feel like we're going to see more and more NPCs that you can interact with more. They're more diverse. They tell new stories that we haven't heard before. Um, it's, it's, I think we're going to see worlds just come more and more living as we go. Like they, they, they're already pretty set at a good starting line. Yeah. But I think from here, it's just gonna get uh, a lot more complicated, and I, I'm, I'm kind of so. interested. I'm kind of tired yeah. of the uh, like. It's, it's like a huge meme. Like it's like, oh, level one, and it's like, oh, collect four apples, you know. But then it's like, uh, like level one hundred, like you're fighting God or some shit, right? Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> basically. Like yeah, basically. I want the enemy to be like I want like the the main bad guy to be like next door. I want I want to be like <laughs> something unexpected. Yeah, tell tell me a story I haven't already heard. Exactly. Yeah. So I yeah, feel like tell tell a story you haven't heard. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um. But yeah. Uh. Where can people find you, Fox? Tell the tell the people. Oh snap! They can find me on uh Twitch. On weekday mornings, uh, role playing some retro stuff, man. I'm Femme Fox Fatale, like a Femme Fatale. F E M M E F O X F A T L E, not Femi Fox Fatale. Oh my god. <laughs> Femme Fox Fatale on Twitch. That's me. Awesome. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Um, great. And as always, you can find us on all of the social media platforms as well, uh, as well as Fox over here. Um, the feed, the feed at shit. I always fuck this up. The feed from Geek Mountain. We're on uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Instagram. We're everywhere. And then I also stream uh, five days a week at Shuriken Pizza. But other than that, yeah, that is about it. Thank you again for uh, joining me this week. I really appreciate you, Fox. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> and we'll see you guys next time on the mountain, the Geek Mountain. Peace. Bye. Cool. Bye. All right. Awesome. Cool. It feels weird doing that way. This episode of The Feed from Geek Mountain was produced by Calvin Young and Sean Harden. Edited by Sean Harden, and the theme song is composed by me, Yerk the Jerk. If you have any questions or you want to be featured in our weekly care package, email us at thefeedfromgeekmountain at gmail.com or say hi on Instagram at thefeedfromgeekmountain. Don't forget to favorite us on Spotify. We're just trying to climb to the top. See you guys next time on the mountain, the Geek Mountain.